to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. We're in a conversation called Influencers, and we've been taking a look at these individuals in the scriptures from Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith. And it's where these giants of faith are set out as an example, whether it was Noah or Abel or Enoch or Abraham from last week. And today we get to step into the conversation of someone that most of us know about. Even if you're not familiar with faith or the community of God, that you probably have heard these names. And this one, absolutely for sure. In Hebrews 11, chapter 22, it says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. Here we go. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Have you ever had a powerful experience with someone and then you ask them at the end of it, like after this experience that you've shared together, what's your takeaway? And they share with you their takeaway, like their memorable moment, the thing that stuck with them. And your first thought is, really? Like that's, that's what you took away from the experience? I remember a few years back, I was uh, speaking at this youth conference, and it was a pretty intense experience, lots of interpersonal training and connecting with young people. And and, you know, it's, it's one of those weeks where people are, like, crying and making new commitments and, and really diving deep into the areas that they've disconnected from the person that they were designed to be. And there was this one young man who had this profound experience with God all throughout the week. And he came up to me at the end of it, and we had this time where we were to affirm one another in what we saw in one another. And so he's walking up to me, and I had spent some considerable time with this young man talking about his life and some of the mistakes he had made and the new commitments he was stepping into. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome because the assignment was to go to someone and tell them what you're taking away, what you appreciated about them, right? And he comes up to me, and I'm thinking, all right, here we go. This is going to be like a good self-esteem-boosting moment. And he comes up to me, and he says... Your voice is so smooth. (laughs) And I thought, that's it? Like, not like all those powerful conversations we had, not like I changed your life, not like you're going to go home different. Your takeaway is my voice is so smooth. You know, those moments where you're like, what? That's what you're taking away from this experience that we just had? See, here's the thing. Joseph, in this chapter, I think, gets the short end of the stick. That's exactly what's happening with Joseph here because this chapter is the greatest hits of people's lives. And so you talk about Abel and his offering. You talk about Noah and his ark. You talk about Enoch and just being zapped up by God. You talk about Abraham and being the father of many nations and having his promise fulfilled. Joseph, Joseph has an award-winning musical named after him with a coat of many colors. I mean, you could have picked dozens of moments from his life, whether it was getting his coat of many colors or interpreting dreams or being sold into slavery or being falsely accused or being risen up among the political system and saving the superpower of the world 
But what gets put into Hebrews chapter 11? His epitaph. I, I mean, you could have picked any one of those. And really, the only thing that gets put into Hebrews 11 about Joseph is his dying words. Why does that get picked? Why does his last will and testament regarding his bones of all things? It wasn't even, it wasn't even something powerful like a blessing upon you. It wasn't even like he spoke a prophecy and it came to be. It was like, Joseph, he, he talked about his bones not wanting to be buried in Egypt. What? Why are we picking this moment of all moments? Let's go to the moment. In Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 24, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of the land to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. See, here's Joseph. He had been sold into slavery by his brothers, and through a series of unfortunate events, he actually winds up in Egypt, and he rises up among the political ranks where he interprets dreams, and in this process, he starts working for Pharaoh, and he informs him that there's a famine coming, and he essentially says, we need to save all the food, and he saves Egypt from a massive plague famine situation because they were all going to starve. And then his brothers, because they were starving, who he had been estranged from, find themselves wandering into Egypt to find food. And here is Joseph. And Joseph, because he had been in this place of political power, was able to give them all the food they needed. And in the process, reunites with his brothers, with his dad, and he saves the entire world. And in that, they had all the resource that they needed in Egypt. And my guess is that at that point, it was a pretty decent life for them. I mean, here's Joseph, like second to Pharaoh, and his brothers with sacks full of food. Now, oftentimes when we think of the Israelites and their relationship to Egypt, the story that we often think about is them being enslaved. And then this whole chapter called the Exodus, where they exodus from the Egypt. And this is oftentimes what we found out. But that was not actually the genesis of the story. See, the original relationship between the Israelites and Egypt was one of political influence and money and food and protection. In fact, Egypt, the name Egypt actually means safe space. Egypt was actually designed to be a safe space for the Israelites to have all the protection and the safety and the comfort and the security that they would need in the midst of this famine that was coming their way. So why was leaving so important to Joseph? Why on earth would this be the thing that he focuses on among everything else? Why would this be the thing that he puts as his last dying wishes to make sure my bones don't stay here unless he had a promise that was available to him? See, Joseph was Abraham's great-great-grandson, and they had been promised a land that was perfect for them. Come to known as the promised land. Not very creative in the naming, but we'll go with it, right? They were in this process of acquiring the promised land, of taking captive of it, of, of holding it, of stepping into it, of, of grabbing onto it, of saying, this is mine, and, and, and continuing to build out this land known as the promised land. And it was designed to have everything that they could ever need. It, it was perfect for them. It was God's perfect provision for the Israelites in this land. And they were in the process of acquiring that. Now, here's the thing. 
rather than getting to Egypt, getting what they need, and continuing back on towards the promised land, they just decided that they were going to camp out at Egypt, that they were going to make Egypt home, which was designed to keep them safe for a season, for a moment, for like a blip on the radar. Instead, Egypt became home for them rather than a pit stop along the way to the promise. How many of you are like chronic overthinkers? Anyone in the room chronic overthinkers? <laughs> I am, absolutely. See, overthinking is actually playing over and over and over again awful possibilities. Because we don't over, have you noticed that we don't overthink like really beautiful situations? Like no one overthinks how much money they could make, right? <laughs> but I can't tell you how, many, how much I overthink. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the car and I find myself like following this overthinking rabbit trail and it ends up with, you know, me and Marla and the kids could probably survive in an SUV and homeless because that's probably what's going to happen. And I'm like, how did we get here, right? Because all the endless overthinking. And I can't tell you how many times I have planned out living out of my car with my children because all has been lost. See, this is a chronic thing that happens with us. And usually the things in our overthinking that we assume are going to destroy our future are big monsters, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to get fired from my career and I will never have a job again. I'm going to get the diagnosis that is going to be the end all of everything. I'm going to get myself into a tragic accident. Someone is going to betray me or leave me or cheat on me. We're going to have a civil war or I'm going to make some stupid decision that's going to impact my life forever. And we play it over and over and over again, all the endless horrible possibilities of what could happen and might happen and the future that's coming as a result of that. And we chase the overthinking. And as a result of that, we play small. See, Joseph understood something that most of us don't understand in his last words, that what takes people out in life are not the monsters that we imagine. What causes us to lose our spiritual influence in life are not the big things. What often takes us out in our influence and our forward movement is our drive and desire for comfort. See, Joseph looked at his brothers and what was going on, and he could see the writing on the wall. He knew exactly what was coming. Because he was looking at this, and he goes, oh, things are working here. Things are stable. Things are actually pretty good here. And what he recognized in his brothers and in himself is that because things were working, there would be a strong pull to stay there to make Egypt home, to camp out, not continuing to the promised land and to the inheritance that was promised to them, that was already fought for, that was already given, that was already said, this is yours. See, one of the greatest enemies in your life will be making good enough the promise and saying, let's settle here for good enough rather than pressing into the promised land that God has already declared is available to you right here and right now. And deciding that comfortable today is more attractive than the work needed to press into the promise that's available to me tomorrow. And so we settle for good enough. See, we settle for mere connections with friends and family, and we call that home. Rather than step into the promised land of intimacy and vulnerability and authenticity, we 
we settle for not being anxious or not being as anxious as I used to be. And we make that home. And then we resist stepping into the promise of a peace that might blow your mind beyond anything that you could understand. We, we make just getting along and not fighting at home the promised land. And we, we let forgiveness and restoration and wholeness go in the midst of that. We, we make existing through our days home and we do not step into the promise of thriving in abundance that's available to us. See, we camp out at good enough and we make it home and soon enough, we forget that a promised land even existed. We forget that, that a promised land was even available to us. In fact, a promised land will become folklore, not a reality that is waiting for us right here and now. And soon enough, we find ourselves wondering, how did I get here? But here's the thing, that, that voice that calls, that siren's call from the promised land, it never goes away. That we know that there's a bigger promised land out there. We know that there, that there is a bigger promise that God has given to us in the settling for good enough. We know that something is off. And so Joseph, in his last words, the, the, the last things that he could imagine speaking out over his brothers and his nations, the most important thing that he could have said in that moment was swear to me that my bones will not stay here. You can bury me in Egypt, but I will never make this home. Not even my bones and as people walked by his grave day after day after day, Joseph was shouting to them, do not make this home. Do not get comfortable here. Do not stay. This is not a permanent place for you. Keep moving towards the promised land. Do not settle for what is easy and comfortable and already given to you. There is something much bigger. And the curtains close on the book of Exodus. And we pick up the story in Exodus, in Genesis, and we pick up the story in Exodus. And when we pick up the story, 300 years have passed. And it says this in Exodus chapter 1, verse 6. Now Joseph and his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put some slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Python and Ramses and store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Israelites, the Egyptians, worked them ruthlessly. See, there were 300 years between when Joseph declared that his bones were not going to stay there and this moment when they found themselves enslaved to the, Israel, to the Egyptians. And the worst thing that could have ever happened to the Israelites was this, that they were exceedingly fruitful. And they yes. multiplied greatly. Yes. And they exceeded in numbers because they were content. And life was easy. And they were comfortable. And they were safe. But this was not the promised land. 
And they had lost all their incentive to even press into the promised land because life had become comfortable. See, the place that was designed to be a safe place for them now became their slave master. And they began serving it rather than it serving them in the midst of it. And they became imprisoned to comfort and safety, oppressed, overrun, all because they stayed too long. And there was a whole generation that looked at Joseph's graves and said, wait, we're not supposed to stay here. And they ignored it over and over and over again. They passed by and said, maybe one day we'll pack up and leave. Maybe one day we'll pursue that dream again. Maybe one day we'll get back to that promise. But for right now, things are easy and they're good and they're comfortable. Why would we want to give up that for this pursuit over here? And they ignored it over and over and over again. And until an entire generation had forgotten the message, they had forgotten that Joseph even existed and temporary tents now became permanent homes in the land of their slave masters. See, I wonder how many of us are actually not too far off from this. Where in your life are you now enslaved to comfort? Where you are enslaved to safety? Where you are enslaved to the convenience of life? And look, maybe at one time it was like a momentary reprieve. Maybe things got difficult in life. And you're like, I just need a breath. I need a, I need a rest. I need to make, take it easy for a moment. But that moment turned into days and days turned into weeks and weeks turned into years. And maybe for some of you, you have been there for decades and you wonder why your life doesn't look miraculous. And you wonder why you feel enslaved to your job and to the rat, to the rat race and to all of the things that are going on in life. And now the thing that was once your safety now has become your slave master. Now look, when I say Safety and comfort, I think we usually think about the obvious, right? We think about Netflix binging or Instagram or endless scrolling on TikTok or eating way too much food or laziness or overspending money. And those are certain Egypts that we find ourselves in that are safe spaces. But there are other safe places that we find ourselves in that we don't oftentimes think of as safe spaces, but they just naturally become that. For some of you, your Egypt has been your anger. Because... Anger makes you feel powerful for a moment. It feels comfortable when you're angry, doesn't it? For some of you, worry and anxiety has been your Egypt. Because for a moment, it allows you to feel like you have grips on the future and that you can control and steal what's, steer what's possible. And it's comfortable for a moment. Some of you, your Egypt has been avoiding that conversation that you know you need to have with your spouse, with your kids, with your sister, with your brother, with your mom, with your coworkers, with your boss. And you're just like, I refuse to have the conversation. And for a moment, you get to resist responsibility and it feels comfortable. For some of you, Egypt has become your cynicism. Just constantly being disappointed before someone or something can disappoint you. And it's become comfortable to live in the cynicism of life and the constant chronic disappointment for some of you, your Egypt is just apathy. If I don't care, I don't have anything to lose. It's comfortable for a moment until it becomes your slave master. And you wonder, why do I feel stuck all of a sudden? And just like the Israelites, time passes and generations move forward. And before you know it, decades have passed. And what worked for a moment, what felt good for a second 
where you were fruitful and multiplying in your head for a season, now you find yourself enslaved to and being eaten alive. And we forgot that the promised land is waiting for us. I wonder for how many of us we've forgotten that there's a promised land available to us right now. Not someday. Not, not if God chooses to work his magic. No, it's available right now. That's right. That's right. Yep. But we've made comfort home rather than the promised land. What promised land have you forgotten? See, this is why Joseph is an influencer, not because of his colorful coat. It wasn't because he overcame unthinkable hardship. It wasn't because he saved the superpower of the world. It wasn't because he could interpret dreams like no other person. It's because even in his death, he refused to settle for mediocrity. And he said, I will continue to press into the promise of God. Good enough, not an option for him. And he's like, look, even if I don't get to see it, even if I do not get to see the promised land, I don't care. I will not have any generation after me miss out on the promised land that is available here and now. And from the grave, he was determined that his life would influence a nation forever and that they would keep fighting towards a promised land. And he was determined for him and his people to live in the fullness of the promise that God had made them that was available here and now. And here, here's actually the most powerful part of his vow that he makes. Because he says, vow that you will not leave me here in Egypt. That when you move out of here, you will take my bones with me. But that he makes this powerful vow. God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. See, he wasn't saying, muster up all your strength and go get the promised land. He wasn't saying like, hey, stay so inspired that you can reach the promised land. Make sure you give yourself daily affirmations and that you do that. He wasn't saying, hey, I hope that this might happen someday. It would be really nice if your kids would one day step into the promised land. He was like, no, no, no. God will come to rescue you when you're ready to be rescued. When you're ready to get out of this enslavement of Egypt, he will rescue you, but not a second before that. And he said, don't you dare allow my bones to remain here. See, when you've been enslaved by that, God himself will come to your aid the second that you're ready for it, but not a second before. And I love that because in Exodus 13, 19, the story continues and it says Moses, right after they're released, it says Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because if Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath, 300 generations later, here's jo Moses digging up Joseph's bones. He told us not to leave him here. <laughs> and he said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. And then once they get to the promised land, in Joshua it says, and Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought from Egypt, were buried in Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred shekels of silver from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And let me just tell you this, to this day, Joseph's bones are resting in the promised land, not in Egypt. Because he swore an oath and he made his children and his brothers and the people around him swear an oath. He said, you, we will not settle for second best. We will not settle for good enough. 
We will not settle for comfort or easy or security or what comes naturally to me because he stood firm in his faith that the future will not be one where the people of God settle for anything less than the promised land that has already been given to them. See, the question before us today is, will you have the faith of Jacob that presses past what's comfortable, that says, look, I'm willing to go past what feels awkward or what in this moment feels like everything's working and I'm fruitful and I'm multiplying, but I know that I am leaving out the promise. I know that this is not supposed to be home. I know that this is not all there is. I know that there is something beyond my wildest imagination that God has for me out there and I refuse to make this home. I will continue to reach for the promised land of God. Even if you have to take my bones up, you're not staying here. See, and what I love is that Joseph's stand, like his commitment to say, no, 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 this is not where we're living. It echoed out through generations. It echoed out to people. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm with someone who's like, no, we're not settling. We're not going second best. We're not staying here with what's easy. We are pressing on to the fullness of what God has for us. I'm like, all right, let's suit up. Let's go. Where's my shoes? Let's go. Because it's inspiring. It moves community to action. See, what the world needs is people who are passionately following Jesus and connected to his promise and saying, I refuse to settle for comfort. I refuse to settle for easy. I refuse to settle for good enough. I refuse to settle for what looks like success and what looks like fruitful and multiplying. And I will continue pressing past. And your greatest enemy will not be the monsters. It will be your own need to feel good. And if you're willing to sacrifice your need for comfort, God will hand you back a promise that will blow your mind. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to just ask yourself, what promised land have I given up on? Maybe, maybe it's a relational promised land that God has said, hey, I, I want to restore your family or your relationship. I want to restore what's possible there. Maybe it's in your career and you've just decided, hey, this is all that's possible and you know that God's promised you more. You know that there's more available. Maybe, maybe it's in your own thought life and you've just settled for good enough. Maybe it's in your dating life or at school. I don't know where it is. Where have you just decided this is good enough? And will the words of Joseph just echo in your soul right now? Do not make this home. Do not allow my bones to be planted here. Take them up and move forward. And right now, in your own heart, your own mind, I'd just like for you to make a commitment to God that you're willing to dig up the bones and keep moving, whatever it is. That you're willing to say, hey, I'm, I, I refuse to set up home here anymore. I'm taking it all. I'm leaving. I am going to have my own exodus out of here. And I will continue pressing on towards the promised land that he has for me. But you're going to have to give up your comfort. You're going to have to give up your need to have everything look a certain way and have everything easy and be safe. God will call you out into dangerous places. But 
the call comes with, surely God will rescue you. That he will not leave you. And this morning, if you're here and you've not yet connected to Jesus, or maybe that's something you did a long time ago and you've walked away from him and you're kind of connecting back, maybe that's even why you're here this morning. None of this can be done without him. This isn't just like a a nice rah, rah, go take the promised land. The only way that you can is because God is with you. Now, I promise you, God wants to be with you. His invitation is for you to be with him, that he has made a way for you, that Jesus came for you and that he died on a cross and he came back to life so that you could fully live and that if you would come and connect in relationship with him, your life would be transformed and access to the promised land would be unlocked. So this morning, if you're here and you've not yet connected to Jesus, I want you just to look up at me. Or maybe you haven't in a long time. Awesome. If you're online, you can just put on there Jesus in the chat. And I want you just to pray this prayer with me. It's not magic words. It's not incantations. It's just you connecting to Jesus. And I want you just to say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I'm broken. And I know that you came and you died for me. And you came back to life so that I could live. And I make you Lord. And I give you everything. I refuse to settle for less. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.